Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I am your host, JR, and we are here today to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. We have an early game preview with Big Ten games starting up. We have some Big Ten games we will be previewing now on Wednesdays and not just on Thursdays. I have two wonderful guests with me. I have Rajiv and I have Dakota, and I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves and plug their socials and things like that. So if you like what you hear today, you can go check them out. Rajiv, you want to go first? Yeah, my name is Rajiv, um, at Rajiv underscore 722 on Twitter. I'm a regular contributor at uh, Locked on Badgers, which is a daily podcast for all things Wisconsin. Um, and I'm actually starting, uh, myself and a partner are starting the Bucky Report, which will be dropping its first episode tomorrow. So excited about that. And yeah, great to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So glad to have you here and appreciate you coming on. Dakota, you want to go tell, go ahead and tell people about you? Absolutely. I'm Dakota. I, uh, you can find me on most social media platforms is at Boiler in Texas, your resident optimistic Purdue fan, as we are one to do sometimes. You can also find me on YouTube and your favorite uh, podcast platform at the Runaway Train Sports Podcast. There we go. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, before we get into it, just so you know, we are a podcast brought to you by Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports covers all of the Big Ten, football and basketball. Right now, we have a podcast for every team in football. We are working on basketball, but if you have a, po- a team that you would like to check out for football, go on over to BigBanterSports.com. You can find it there. Uh, also, please like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. It really helps us out. We put out a video every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday previewing games, recapping the week, doing all of those things. We're also on Twitter at the Big Ten Huddle. Same thing on Instagram at the Big Ten Huddle. And we are also on Rumble. All right. So Rumble actually has tons of views and I've been getting feedback from there that they want to shout out. So Rumble viewers, I'm shouting you out, making sure you know we see you. We appreciate you. Uh, and if you use Rumble at all, go over there and check us out there. All right, guys. Hey, we are going to be previewing uh, the Wisconsin and Purdue game today. In addition to that, we're going to be talking about the Michigan State situation with coaching candidates. We've covered everything we need to cover with Michigan State. We don't need to rehash it and get into it again, but we'll be talking about some coaching candidates. CBS Sports put a list out there of some of the guys, and some of them are in the Big Ten, so we'll talk about that. And we will also talk about Big Ten contenders and pretenders. Who do these guys think are actual contenders? Who do they think are pretenders? And we're going to go from there. So let's go ahead. We'll start with the Wisconsin at Purdue game. It is on Friday, so it's a Friday night game, September 22nd this weekend at 7 p.m. on FS1. It's going to be a great environment. Purdue always has a wonderful, wonderful environment there, even from on TV. I need to make it out there to their stadium. Right now, Wisconsin is favored, depending on where you look at, five and a half, six points, somewhere around there. And they're actually on a 16-game winning streak right now versus Purdue. Sorry to bring that up, Dakota. I know, uh, I know that's hard, but... Um, it's reality at this point so <laughs> well, hey, may- maybe you'll break it who knows um purdue is dealing with an injury to their sack leader uh kadron jenkins am i saying that right dakota yeah kadron jenkins yeah okay that's what i thought uh so he they're not sure if he'll play yet purdue hopes he'll play but we'll see going from there let's go ahead and break this game down a little bit um Boy, or, uh, Dakota, let's start with you first. What player or position group does your team need to play well in this game in order to win? So I think it's going to be pretty obvious. I give one for offense and one for defense, but I think they're the two most obvious, to, especially to Purdue fans. Um, starting on defense, which I think is going to be the big thing, it's the secondary. Um, it's no secret if you've watched Purdue that the secondary has probably been one of the weaker position groups so far, to the I think the chagrin of a lot of Purdue fans online. With Walters being this defensive-minded coach, especially touting all of the NFL draft picks he was able to bring or develop at Illinois, um, 
it, it definitely has been a, a, a trial by fire so far when it comes to the secondary. Not necessarily been the most sound group, but it's something that, you know, we only had a handful of months to bring a group together. Um, I'm just really hoping they'll continue to develop, but it's going to be those getting off the field on third downs that that secondary is really going to have to step up. And sometimes they manage to do it, and sometimes they really just don't. And then on terms of offense, I think it's the offensive line. Um, we have a, a, a running back I really like in Devin Maccabee, who has really struggled to get going this year at times just because the offensive line has had some bang-ups and not necessarily been healthy. And even in our first game against Fresno State, we were, I think we eventually were playing our fifth-string center, which I'm pretty sure is just like your backup left guard at that point. And so the offensive line definitely is going to have to step up and get some push up front, which is always you know a tough time when you're playing a team like Wisconsin. And so it's really going to come down to can Purdue get off the field on third down for the secondary, and can they get some push up front and can try and keep the offense a little bit balanced? Yeah, for sure. Offensive line, especially in the Big Ten, is always such a huge factor, especially when you have a running back as good as Mockaby. He he was really, really good last year, so we'll see if he can get back into form here later on into the season. Rajiv, what are you thinking for players or position groups that you think need to play well in order for Wisconsin to win this game? It's really interesting. I have very similar answers to what Dakota said. On defense, it is our secondary, just basically because of the weapons that Purdue has. I mean, with Yassin... <clears throat> and Mockaby and Tracy out of the backfield and the other receivers that they have Burks. And, and there's another one that's big Sheffield, I believe. Right. I mean, those guys are, there's, they're talented and Purdue always has the ability to air it out. They always have, they always will ever since the Joe Tiller days, they're going to keep doing that. So, and, and we've kind of had an interesting start to the year. Our two starting cornerbacks, Alexander Smith and Ricardo Hallman haven't really played quite up to par. We are in a new defensive system now in a three, three, five that Trestle brought from Cincinnati and the secondary coming into the season, our safeties were kind of thought to be the, the, the sort of like the premier part of our, our defense and the, and the cornerbacks were experienced, uh, but they've been a little underwhelming so far. So I'm a little bit concerned about how they're going to match up against the weapons that Purdue has. So that's going to be a key offensively, just like Dakota said, it's offensive line. I mean, look, in the last five times we've played Purdue, we've averaged 311 yards rushing. We've, we've been able to dominate Purdue um, on the, on, with the rush, and we have a two-headed monster in Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi right now that have had decent starts of the year but not anything great, and it's because our offensive line has, been, has, has not played perfect yet. Um, so I think if, if we, we really need to establish that run game, right? And if, we can, if that offensive line can play well – and open up those holes for Braylon and Malusi. I think Purdue's defense and secondary is gonna are gonna have a little bit tough time to stop it. Uh, so that's gonna be really critical. The other piece I will say on mention on defense is the defensive line. Hudson Card obviously is a guy that can get out of the pocket. We have to contain him. We struggled against Cam Ward a couple weeks ago against Washington State doing a similar thing. So that's another piece of the game that really has to be uh, up to par. For sure, yeah. And just a quick question, Rajiv: Is Braylon Allen playing this week for sure? Yeah, from, from what everything we're hearing, yeah, he's going to be, he's my plan. I mean, Chesma, the thing about Chesma Lucy is he can really be a number one guy too, right? He absolutely has the ability to do both. I think Allen will start, um, but, you know, he's listed on the depth, depth chart as such. Uh, but even if it has to be Malusi, that's okay. We we have a lot of weapons at the, in the backfield. Did anybody ever come to a resolution of what happened in that Georgia Southern game for why Braylon Allen didn't play in the first quarter and for a little bit into the second quarter as well? I think I think it was really more scheme based. I think based on what they were seeing from Georgia Southern, it just made sense for for Malusi to kind of play because what we're seeing out of the backfield now are some passes out of the backfield. Braylon Allen's actually our leading receiver as far as receptions with fifteen because he's had so many passes in the flat. And 
He hasn't really been successful with that. Malusi's been a little bit better. So I think that's one of the reasons Malusi was kind of getting play early just because of he brings a bit more speed, not as much power, and the scheme they're running and the plays they're running kind of fit Malusi better. For sure. Yeah, that's great information. So uh, Dakota, we'll go back to you for this one. What is a player or position group that you are most concerned about when it comes to Wisconsin? I mean, Rajiv took care of it for me. I mean, you could look at any of the last number of games that Purdue's played against Wisconsin. Um, I remember, I can't remember what year it was, but I mean, just look at what Jonathan Taylor was able to do. Look at what Braylon Allen is able to do. They've just, for whatever reason, had Purdue's number on the ground. Um, as frustrating as it is to watch when you know you're sitting on your couch just saying just tackle him. Of course, that always seems a little easier said than done, but it's got to be the it's got to be the running backs. And while Purdue's strength on defense this year has been in you know the run game in their game against Virginia Tech, they uh, ended up holding the Hokies to 11 yards rushing. Granted, I'm not expecting them to be able to do that against a team like Wisconsin, but that really has been the strength. I think the real question is is can we do enough to slow down Wisconsin to allow our offense to kind of keep us in the game? Yeah, for sure. I produce run defense has not been bad this year, but if Wisconsin gets going on the ground, it is definitely uh, a tough team to stop, especially with that two headed monster in Allen and Malusi. So Rajiv, what is a position group or a player that you are most concerned about when it comes to Purdue? It's Hudson card. It's absolutely Hudson card. I look, I really like him. I, I, when 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 he was in the transfer portal, I thought to myself, boy, I, we would we would love him at, at Wisconsin. Now we got Tanner Mordecai, we're very happy with him as well. Uh, but Card's a guy that's got a lot of um, straw ability. I mean, he can escape the pocket. He's extremely quick, and we generally don't like playing against running quarterbacks that can escape the pocket and and you and create passing lanes by doing that, and also just you know rush for a ton of yards. and And he's a guy that I think we're going to struggle to contain. So we played Cam Ward a couple weeks ago. We had a very similar situation and we had a lot of trouble tackling him. So, and you couple that with all the weapons he has and the receivers he has. Look, it's just what I said earlier. Purdue's offense is always their strong suit. And it's something that we don't really like playing against. We don't really like defending. So yeah, I mean, I am concerned about him and, and our D line needs to keep contained and we have to tackle well, because we're going to have to tackle in space against this team. You know, I watched the, some of the, the Virginia tech game and the Syracuse game. And although that, you know, Purdue has a one and two record. They've played okay in some of these games. Defensively, certainly has been a weak point, but their offense looks great and not great necessarily, but very effective. And I think they can do something against us. So we have to contain Hudson Card, and I'm very concerned about how well he's going to play against us. For sure. Hudson Card is a really good player. I think he could be the best uh, quarterback in the Big Ten West. And I think Tanner Mordecai is up there in that conversation as well. So it's going to be a good quarterback battle between the two. Uh, Rajiv, we'll let you go first on this last point here since we let Dakota go first on the other two. What is your score prediction for this game? Yeah, so like I, like I said, I think Purdue's going to score some points on us. Um, our defense hasn't really been playing exactly up to you know their kind of level of expectations coming into the year, but I think we're we're continuing to improve every week. I think Purdue's going to put up twenty four. Uh, the question is, you know, can they stop the Wisconsin offense and whether whether it be Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, or if they do kind of clog up the run and bring more men into the box? We have a really good receiving core now, uh, led by Chimray DK and 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 uh, Bryson Green, Will Pauling. So there's a lot of weapons there. And Tana Mordecai obviously has a ton of experience coming from SMU. So I do think the secondary of Purdue clearly being a bit weak, we should be able to score. My final score is 34-24. I think we are going to cover that five and a half or six point spread. Who knows? But that being said, 
Um, you know, I'm Dakota. I'm actually going to West Lafayette for this game. Um, I'm, I'm from Lafayette, Indiana, so I'm going home, um, and I'm going to be uh, at the game. I'm excited to see it. I've been saying that this game has concerned me for for many weeks now because when you go to Ross Hay Stadium, a stadium that I grew up, you know, around and, and going to games, it's tough to play there. It's really tough to play there at night. You know, that place is going to be a blackout. It's going to be very, very tough environment. And Purdue hasn't really played well at home this year. They're going to be ready to come up for this game. This is a Big Ten opener for both teams. I am concerned, but I still think we could get away with the win 34-24. Rajiv, I was waiting for the hot take that Tanner Mordecai was going to break his touchdown uh, passing record in this game with 10 touchdown passes. You know, last year he had nine against Houston. So, uh, no, no, I I kid, I kid. Uh, Dakota, what do you think? Score prediction for this game. Oh, this one's always so tough. If you follow me on Twitter, I love to, you know, make these grand pronunciations that Purdue's going to come out and light the world on fire. And I will actually say, as much as uh, uh, as painful as it was watching the Syracuse game last weekend, uh, where Purdue falls by 15, if you really watched the game, um, the, the biggest thing that hurt us was turnovers. And I think the offense actually, I mean, that's safe to say when I think you turned the ball over four official times, plus I think three or four failed fourth down conversions. And so I think the offense actually looked pretty decent. So I'm not as worried about putting up points. The big question is always going to be, can you stop that Wisconsin running game? And I love the fact, actually, that this is a first week of Big Ten action for both teams. I think this is an opportunity to kind of maybe not necessarily catch Wisconsin sleeping. I don't think they're ever going to really do that. I don't think that's a program that you can do that with. But playing at night on a Friday night, the the fans are going to be hyped. The, The team coming off of, frankly, getting embarrassed um in a night game last week i'm hoping that that lights a fire under them and i do think that they'll keep it close for a little bit as we see in wisconsin has been a bit of a slow starting team this year and really been a second half team and i think the the key thing with these kind of games uh, for purdue is just kind of keep it weird keep the game guessing and maybe something magical will happen but that said i mean it's been 16 games since Purdue has taken down Wisconsin. And I just don't think that this is the defense. Now I will say in the future of this program under Ryan Walters, I'm extremely excited for the, the recruiting that he's been able to pull off and the excitement and energy that he's bringing to the, to the program. I may not make the same prediction next year for this game, but I do think that Wisconsin probably does pull this one out, probably late wearing down the Purdue defense as they are want to do and probably comes out of that, I think I had 35 to 27, that kind of range. You bring up a really good point, Dakota. Sorry about uh, turnovers. Cause I, that's really been, that's, that's been kind of a bugaboo for us this year too. Um, you know, we actually, up until the last game we played, we had a minus five in the turnover margin and then we had six turnovers against Georgia Southern. So that just kind of turned it on its yeah, head. You are um, literally describing it. We were minus three and then we had four in the game. We even, right. I mean, the turnovers are going to be key. And I think because Purdue's offense is electric and, and can make things happen, I think we're going to find out very early on, you know, if we can control the clock and kind of keep Hudson Card off the field with our running game, I think that's going to go a long way. Now, we we are a different offense now. We're, we're not the same Wisconsin slow-moving offense we've always been. We are running an air raid, technically, from Phil Longo uh, from North Carolina. So it's a, new, it's a new offense. Obviously, the biggest thing is we just have three or four wide now in a mm-hmm. lot of sets, which forces the defense not to load the box with eight or nine guys, which helps our running game. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. I, I think that we do need to – I want to see some longer drives in this game to, to really grind down that clock because the last thing I want is Hudson Card throwing it all over the field because we mm-hmm. know he can. And then, then we're going to be in a shootout with Purdue, which – Technically, against that defense, we should be able to keep up with, but I don't. Then you then you run into the turnover option, right? Yep. And then and what can happen with a couple interceptions mistimed. So 
I really, really hope and I, I expect to see us dominate in the run game, and which is not something that we're trying to do so much. We're more of a balanced offense this year, uh, but I want to see that in this game to keep Hudson Card off the field. Yep, so I said, just keep it weird. Get a couple turnovers, untimely turnovers here or there. You never know. I'm wearing, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, I'm wearing my my homage to the only time Purdue's ever going to win the West because it's probably not going to go back to back. So just got to keep things weird sometimes and good things happen. So who knows? Hey, I got to say, I love the Big Ten West. It is my favorite division in college football. Uh, most RG. competitive, and you know, you literally never know who's going to win it. You go into it, and you're like, oh, maybe Iowa, maybe Wisconsin will do it again, and then Purdue comes up, and then Illinois comes up, and then Northwestern, who has a 1-11 season, is like, hey, we're good now, 11-1, and one, and it's like, wow, what is going on here? Uh, so I think it's great. All right, well, hey, thanks so much for breaking down that game, guys, and previewing it. We're going to get into our next topic, which is the Michigan State coaching search, so if you're not following the whole saga or if you're just kind of tired of it like I am, listen, I love the Big Ten, but it's just gotten so complicated. Uh, long story short, Michigan State is firing Mel Tucker, if they haven't already officially fired him. Uh, he will not be getting paid. He is fighting this, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a CBS sports list that was written, and uh, I forgot to write down who wrote it. Let me pull it up really fast because I want to give credit to the author. It was Dennis Dodd. I knew it was one of those guys. Dennis Dodd put together this list and on it, he has five guys who currently are in the Big Ten. So his five guys are Brian Hartline, Jim Leonard, Mike Tressel, Mark D'Antonio, who just got there like last week, and then Harlan Barnett. So Mark D'Antonio, Harlan Barnett at Michigan State, Mike Tressel at Wisconsin, Jim Leonard is an analyst for Illinois, and then Brian Hartline, of course, offensive coordinator at Ohio State. So my question for you guys, and Rajiv will let you go first on this one, I want you to take those five guys and rank them from best to worst, who you think their best option is to their worst option. What do you think? Yeah, so I think right now, given this massive shift that's going on at Michigan State and all this kind of cultural stuff that's happening, I think Mark Antonio, who's been, by the way, the most successful coach they've ever had there, seems like the best option. I know that he maybe he doesn't want it, but to me, you're going to put a guy right there at the top that's got so much experience, knows that university, understands the culture, and frankly, turn them from a mediocre middle of the road big 10 team to a big 10 champion and went to the playoff like that's very impressive stuff a team something that dakota and i would love to see our team do right so i think that's that to me is kind of like the, the the top of the heap there and if he doesn't want it then you got two guys that sadly i don't want to go there which are jim leonard and mike trussell jim leonard of course is a long time you know wisconsin defensive coordinator played at wisconsin played in the nfl um for, for much of the last year, we actually wanted him to, or at least me, I wanted him to coach Wisconsin. And of course, when Luke Fickle comes out, then that's fine. I'm very happy yeah. with Luke Fickle. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I think that, that Leonard has a really bright future um, in coaching. And, you know, he's a brilliant defensive coordinator. He has so much experience. So I think he would be a really good fit. He definitely also understands how to coach at a Big Ten university. And, and he knows about, you know, the, the culture and, and how to really turn that program around. Mike Tressel, another good option, who I'm going to put third on that list, even though, again, I don't want him to go there because he's our defensive coordinator. Many years at Michigan State, again, was a, was there and, and a part of it was the defensive coordinator. And, and you have all that institutional knowledge. So I feel like that's another good option. Then I would put, um, you know, Bennett at the bottom and then Brian Hartline would go under Tressel. Hartline, look, I mean, obviously, you probably know certainly a lot more about him. He's great. I think he's going to do good things. 
but I know he just got paid a lot in the offseason for a house. He to kind of keep him there. Ryan day really wants to keep him. Um, but then Harlan Bennett, like, I mean, you just 41 to seven against Washington. That doesn't look good. That's not really a way to start that. Um, sure. The guy deserves a shot and I'm, I hope he's going to get one at some point. Uh, but I think for me, Mark D'Antonio just makes the most sense. He's done it. He's been super successful there. Why not give him another go? Yeah, I think you make great points there. And, and yes, as an Ohio State fan, uh, I don't want Brian Hartline to go. But I also think another piece of this that people don't realize is that Brian Hartline, he's not even calling plays right now. Ryan Day is still calling plays. So he's completely new to this. You go from wide receiver coach just two or three years ago to offensive coordinator to head coach at a Big Ten university. Like, you know, maybe it's the bias in me that doesn't want Brian Hartline to go because I like having good wide receivers. But, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, doesn't really make sense. Um, I don't know, but maybe it makes sense to Dakota. Dakota, what do you think? Oh, uh, this is always such a hard one because, I mean, picking head coaches can sometimes be just such a, a crapshoot sometimes. I do agree that I think D'Antonio is the perfect pick for, in terms of this anterim period. Obviously, like you mentioned, very successful, one of the most successful MSU head coaches they've ever had. Um, I think the real question for Michigan State is, like, what do you want this program to look like going forward? And while I think D'Antonio would be a good pick, obviously with the familiarity and, and the, the, the name value um, within that program, it's, I mean, he's not necessarily getting any younger. And granted, co- coaches aren't necessarily, you know, you have to be young to do it. But if you kind of want to, you know, establish yourself as a use this as an opportunity to kind of, you know, baseline yourselves and move forward, I think the the best pick might be Jim Leonard. I think I was extremely shocked when he ended up not getting a head coaching position um, last year. I was shocked that Wisconsin didn't offer him the job, and I was shocked he just kind of ended up at, at Illinois in a in an analyst position. So whether that's you know him biding his time and maybe this is the opportunity to kind of step back up into that head coaching tree. Um, but I think Jim Leonard makes a lot of sense. Obviously, defensive-minded guy. I think when you play in the Big Ten, defense is going to be one of the big things. Um, whether he can do it at a head coaching level, I think we saw a lot of good things when he was the interim at uh, Wisconsin after they fired Chris. Um, kind of going down the list, Mike Trestle obviously been a household name in the Big Ten going forward, but I think that, that kind of comes with a lot of the same things when you talk about D'Antonio. And while I think obviously he'd be able to step in and assume the role of a head coach, it's really does would the scheme fit would have worked for going both ways and kind of just mirror a lot of the things I said about D'Antonio and then kind of continuing on Harlan Barnett, obviously familiar with Michigan state been there forever. Uh, I think there'd be a lot of the, the familiarity and staying in house, but then that kind of, you go back and forth with saying, you know, do you want to stay in house? You want to go out and get a, a fresh guy like Jim Leonard, someone who might bring in a little more energy and kind of that kind of things. And so I think Barnett, unfortunately probably is a little further down my list. And then Brian Hartline, obviously the Ohio State offensive coordinator. Um, I think if you're an offensive coordinator at a university like Ohio State, I think you're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of press in these kinds of things. And I think it would be a very good opportunity for um, such a young guy to kind of step up as a fan of Purdue, who also brought in a 36 year old first time head coach. I think it it definitely can provide a lot of energy in a program. And maybe that's something Michigan State really needs right now um, with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the background or even the last few years in the background there. Maybe just some new energy, um, get a little younger, bring some some hype and just try and make something happen um, to kind of, you know, elevate them back up, bring the energy and, and kind of like that. But if, if I was going to pick, I think I'd pick Jim Leonard. Um, I think he's uh, stint at Wisconsin more than proved his um, ability to kind of run at least one side of the ball in his interim stint at Wisconsin also was plenty good enough in my eyes to take over a head coaching spot. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think you guys are both on uh, right there with Mark D'Antonio and Jim Leonard to be in the two ones. And and my thoughts on Harlan Barnett have always been kind of the opposite of Brian Hartline, where it's like, oh, Brian Hartline's getting all these offers. Well, supposedly getting all these offers, uh, and he's hardly even coached yet. Well, Harlan Bennett's been coaching for what twenty years at Michigan State. And they've never named him the head coach, or he's never gone anywhere else. Like, I don't know. I'm not trying to say the guy can't coach, but at a certain point, it's like, are you a head coach, or are you just kind of a lifetime assistant coach for a reason, you know? So, but that's that's all speculation. We have no idea. Um, Rajiv, we'll go back to you real fast before we finish up with this. Do you have any other kind of candidate that maybe is kind of a sleeper candidate, one you haven't heard a whole lot, or one you've just been thinking of that Michigan State might go after and be a good idea? I feel like Lance Leopold is the best option for the job, really. I mean, I think that what he's done in Kansas, what he did in his previous you know, smaller schools, he's got a lot of energy and he's kind of that hyped guy right now, kind of like, you know, Deion Sanders and Luke, Luke Fickle, like guys that you knew were just going to get promotions and get big jobs. And, and I feel like Lance is, is ready to do that. Look, I mean, the, you know, his conference now, who doesn't want to come to the Big Ten, given the growth and expansion that's happening, the money, the sheer money in the Big Ten, the resources that this university is going to have. And, and kind of like Dakota was saying, you know, about not going to Antonio, going, having a fresher start and having a guy that can really build the program. Lance Leopold can build this program. I and mean, he's building Kansas, which is a nothing football school. You go to Michigan State, a, a school that's, while they're middle of the road, Big Ten, they've got pedigree and they have the ability to challenge, you know, their rivals in the East and, and wherever, whatever the, the divisions or however it's going to line up with the new conference. But he could really make his mark. So I really like him up there. And also Sean Lewis, offensive coordinator at Colorado, I think is another kind of brilliant mind that, that will get a, another head coaching job and get it quickly. And I feel like those two guys, as far as outside of that CBS sports list, I put Leopold and, and Sean Lewis. Yeah, Sean Lewis was also on the list. He just wasn't a Big Ten guy. So uh, you're agreeing with Dennis Dodd there. Nice job, Rajiv. <laughs> uh, Dakota, you have any other guys? Yeah, I had one, and actually Dennis Dodd was exactly my guy, top of his list, Jonathan Smith, Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's been a more underrated and silently moving underneath the the allure of Colorado out west of an Oregon State team that has silently become good. I mean, I, I remember a handful of years ago that no one really mentioned Oregon State like this, and even though they're still not talking about them, Oregon State has quietly built themselves a very good football team. And so I think with um, exactly like you said, with the – um, expansion and, and teams moving from conference to conference and uh, the effective implosion of the the new Pac-4 as it currently stands, I think he'll have to take a very serious um, consideration to moving. And I think this Michigan State could be a very uh, good opportunity, especially with not knowing what the Pac-12 was going to look like after this season ends. I made a move to the Big Ten at an established school like Michigan State. Now, whether Michigan State would have, feel the same way about a about a coach from Oregon State, but I think that is would be a no-brainer if you're trying to go for a long-term, build a program, do it the from all we know the right way, at a, and able to do it at a school like Oregon State. Imagine what he could do with the resources like Michigan State. Well, yeah, and they took Mel Tucker from Colorado after only one year. So I know that's the whole joke, though, is like, oh, you took Mel Tucker from Colorado. Just take Dion from Colorado now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, unfortunately, I don't think Michigan State's going to be taking Dion anytime soon. I think uh, I think he likes what he's got over there at Colorado. Um, the one that I've been saying, and I actually said it on TikTok uh, last week, and I made a few Kentucky fans mad, but Mark Stoops. I think Mark Stoops mm-hmm. would do a great job at Michigan State. I think he's from the area. I think he has that Midwest tie, and I think that Michigan State 
could pretty comfortably just go ahead and double his pay. He's a longtime coach. He was able to develop Kentucky into what they are today in the SEC. And Big Ten is probably going to become an area that is going to have to develop similar to how Kentucky did in the SEC in their tough division with the tough division. Well, it's not really going to be a division anymore, but the tough teams that are in the Big Ten, USC, Oregon, Ohio State, uh, Michigan now being as high as they are, Penn State. And I do think that we see the rise of other teams like Wisconsin and Purdue as well. So... All right, let's go ahead and get into our final topic here. Our final topic, and this one doesn't have to be super long, just some quick thoughts about the uh, conference and what we're going through, but Big Ten contenders and pretenders. So I I wrote out the records of the teams here. I'm going to list them real fast, and you guys tell me, are there any of these teams? Yes, they are contenders. Are there any of these teams that, nope, they're pretenders. They are not as good as people think they are. Uh, You let me know. Or there's some teams here that are contenders, and their record just isn't all that good right now. So 3-0 teams are Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Rutgers. Rutgers, 3-0, that's pretty cool. Two and one, we have Michigan State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and then one and two teams, we have Illinois, Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Purdue. So uh, let's go ahead and go to Rajiv first. Rajiv, who are two to three contenders you could see in each division? Yeah, I think the contenders in, in the East are pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. There's really not anyone else that's going to challenge those those three teams. I mean, you're talking about the probably the best three teams in the conference, maybe not Penn State, but certainly Michigan and Ohio State are the best teams in the conference. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, I, I don't really think there's anything that, that can challenge that. And in the West, I'm going to say Wisconsin and Iowa until we see otherwise. I mean, look, last year Purdue came out of nowhere, and you're, you've mentioned earlier Northwestern's come out of nowhere in the past. And we haven't really had the start that we expected to have. Uh, but, of course, you know, I mean, Big Ten play is a whole new slate. So I expect Wisconsin and Iowa to really be challenging for the conference, for the, for the division. Um, and I expect Wisconsin to win it, but you never know. I mean, this, this game on Friday night at Purdue could, could change that in an entire different direction. So, uh, but those are my contenders as of right now. For sure. Dakota, do you tend to agree or do you have anything else? I mean, exactly right. I mean, the East is such an easy pick. I mean, Michigan, Ohio State, I will say Ohio State of the three might've looked the weakest so far. Maybe that just might be based on the offensive production that we've seen out of them. Although they did put 63 up. Um, in their last game. Um, but I'll throw out a sneaky Maryland pick. And while I don't think that Maryland is obviously, I don't think they're going to win the the East. I think they might give a scare to one of those top three teams. And so I just wanted to give them a shout out. They've looked more than capable outside of a half uh, against Charlotte. Um, but then in the West, yeah, I think I pretty much mirror exactly what he said. I mean, I think this is Iowa or I think right now it's Iowa's to lose just based on how consistent they've looked um, from week to week. Um, I think Wisconsin also is up there. But also, like he said, I mean, we're going to learn a lot after this first round of Big Ten games to kind of really uh, shake the order. So I think it'll be I think it'll all shake out in the end. But I think Iowa or Wisconsin will probably come out on top in the West. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Dakota, we'll go back to you for a final question. What is at least one pretender, a team that will not finish as well as they're doing right now in each division? Let's see. Um, I think in the East, I think Rutgers is probably the safest pick. I mean, Rutgers has looked very, very solid, and I think they'll be a very solid football team this year. But when you're playing in the Big Ten East, I mean, against the likes of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, I mean, you're going to get beat up. And I think that while their record may not uh, show exactly how good they were this year. Um, I think they'll definitely come back down a little more to earth and they're very solid. I will admit non-conference they've had uh, up to now. And then in the West, oh man, this is such a, any, once you get past, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, it really is just kind of a pick them. Um, I'll go with, I think I'll go with, man, 
I think I'll go with Illinois. Um, they've kind of been very up and down so far this year. They did play a very good, solid game against Penn State. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep up that level of play as the season goes on. But they went out to Kansas and got handled pretty easily and also survived a scare against Toledo, which really leaves me questioning, you know, what they'll end up doing as the season goes on. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. Rajiv, what are your thoughts? So <laughs> Rutgers and Maryland, to me, are both pretenders in the East just because it's the East. You're not competing with those teams. And and when they play those teams, I expect them, you know, right now, I think Maryland and, and Rutgers are both in the top, you know, 20 defensive team, I think defensively nationwide. Um, they, they obviously played well so far, but mm-hmm. it's not going to stay. Uh, I expect them to, to come back down to earth soon um, when they get into the, the Big Ten East games. And in the West, I'm going to say Minnesota, um, you know, just because I, I hate Minnesota. I'm a, I'm a Badger fan. So, you know, I'm always hoping Minnesota goes down. But I think there's a lot of there's still some hype that P.J. Fleck brings and you know, and there's people that think they think Minnesota can actually do something in the West. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't partic- I don't think they've really played particularly well thus far. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that as the season goes on, they're going to keep dropping down those standings, which is fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Minnesota is a very interesting team to see what they kind of become this year. It's uh, it's all going to be interesting. Like I said, Big Ten West, in my mind, the most fun division in all of college football. So Absolutely. I just want to go ahead and say thanks to Rajiv and Dakota for coming on here. Really appreciate you guys giving your thoughts and your insights. Um, we're going to, if you want to check them out, remember Dakota is Boiler in Texas from the Runaway Train Sports podcast. And the Rajiv is on the Bucky Report. New episode dropping tomorrow, you said, mm-hmm. the very first episode. And then he's also a contributor for Locked on Badgers. Uh, remember Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com. Check them out for all of your Big Ten media needs. And then tomorrow, we are going to break down two games. There's two. There's too many good games this week, so we're going to break down two games. We're going to break down Ohio State and Notre Dame. We actually have a Notre Dame fan on, so our first fan of a non-Big Ten team coming on. We have an Ohio State fan and an Iowa fan to break down the Iowa and Penn State whiteout game this year as well. So be sure to join us for that tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks so much to the guests for coming on guys appreciate it have a great night